mentioned this earlier this week, but I can always count on you, even though we have 10 fingers. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Um, and so uh, I am so glad that we're here this morning. I'm so that, glad that you ha- have joined us this morning. Um, as we get back into this, this, this routine of school, some of you are already back. Some of you are getting ready to head back this week. Is there anyone who's like, I don't have to go back this week. I still have some extra time. Anyone in the room? No. Yes. Oh, stop it. Just stop that. You're ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Josh Beacom in the back. <laughs> so, so we are getting back into the routine. And so first, for some of you, you may love the routine. You may say, man, I've been needing this. This is the, the camp that I live in. This summer has just been crazy, like crazy busy. I've been away from my family. Like I look back and there was a whole, if I add up all the time, there was an entire month of, of time this summer that I was not with my family because I was either away or, 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 or busy with other things. And it's just like crazy. And so as I look to this year, this coming school year, I am excited for the routine. Because I know that when I'm in a routine and my schedule is blocked out with other things, I am more intentional. And so you, some of you may be there. Some of you are like, man, I don't want summer to ever end because all of the freedom of time, I am way more intentional with that. And so it is my hope, regardless of where you're at, that you are ready for this year. You know, some of you are getting ready to walk into the doors of a high school that you have never been in as a student. Or some of you may have already walked through those doors this past week. Um, and it's a big new experience. Then there's those of you who are like, man, I've walked through these doors before. I'm not nervous about the, the, the environment of school. I am anxious for what this year holds. Maybe it's, maybe it's your sophomore year and you go, man, I am ready to not be a freshman anymore. I'm ready to not have that label any longer. Yes, thank you. Uh, maybe those of you who are like, you're getting ready to head into your junior year. And I don't know if this has been told to you or not. But your junior year is the hardest year of high school. But it is also the most fun year that you have in high school because you are an upperclassman. You have the privileges and all of, the, all of the, the status, but you have extra time. And then there's those of, uh, those of us who are going into high school for the last year. Where are my seniors at? Wow. Okay. And so you are, are here and, and kind of excited this morning, still possibly waking up, but this is your last year. This is your last chance to make an opportunity to, to, to capitalize on what, uh, what high school means or will mean for you moving forward. And so there are opportunities in this year that you have, and my hope is that you guys will, will step up to the plate, that you will capitalize on those, and you will say, whether I'm excited about it or not, I am now here and I'm ready to make this the best year that I've ever experienced, whether it's my first year in high school or my last. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. Um, and before we dive in today, I want to I talk to you guys about something that is heavily um, influencing us and heavily uh, right in front of us um, in the events that happened in Charlottesville um, a little over a week ago. And so a lot of you have probably heard about this. Um, about what's gone on there. Um, and essentially what, what happened there is there were a, a group of people who went to say that, hey, we think that, that white people are the supreme race and we feel like we need to push that agenda. And so there was, there was violence, there was a lot of arguing, a lot of negativity that came from this. And so as I'm buzzing through my Facebook feed, um, which most of you are like, what is that? You know, it's maybe, maybe Instagram. But as I'm buzzing through it, I see all of these things about Charlottesville. Some people, some people, you know, taking one side, others taking another. And 
I just want to speak to that briefly. Because as I'm buzzing through it, I see all um, of, of, of the information that's being told. And then everyone's comments and conversations based off of that. And so here's what I have to say about the whole incident. This is my belief. I believe that there is no place for that in the kingdom of God. I believe that there is no place for that of, in, in, the, in the lives of the people of God. Those of us who have decided to follow Jesus with our lives, there is no place for that whatsoever. And here's the thing. I see people on these, on these, these posts making comments and, and having discussion And what I realize is everyone is complaining about the hate that they have seen and that they've experienced, and they're responding in a different kind of hate, a different kind of hate. They are saying, hey, we need to hate these people. There is no place for these people in our communities. No, I disagree. There are a place for these people in in this community, but there is not a place for their sin in our community. What we need to do is we need to push people in the direction of Jesus and help them see that the sin that we hate, that is what we hate. We hate the sin that is being displayed, but we do not hate the people. And so we need to check ourselves. As we're having conversations, as we're having uh, relationships, as we're building those with one another, what we have to realize is we are not called to hate one another. We are called to hate sin. And so as we look at the events that unraveled and what is continuing to happen from this point forward, we have to look at those people that are hating, whether, whether it's the people who have a specific bias or bigotry towards a race or a person. We need to look at them and we need to, ha- we need to have compassion for them because the hate in their heart is a result of the sin that we all have to deal with, the result of the sin that Jesus has already dealt with. And so for those of us here, as you're engaged, here's the thing. I, I, I believe that this will not be the last time we have to deal with something like this. And so I want to encourage you. I want to go to the place because we've seen a lot of interviews, a lot of people claiming one thing or the other. I saw one the other day, about made me sick. It was this guy who was, he was leading the, the marches for the hate of certain races and, 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 and groups of people. And he was quoting the Bible as his defense. And here's, my, here's my, my, my question for him. What do you do with this? This is Jesus speaking. If you have one of those Bibles that has red letters when Jesus spoke, this is Jesus speaking. Not to minimize anything in here that's written in black. It is all inspired by the Holy Spirit. But this is something that Jesus said, flesh and bone, man, God, who lived and walked this earth to show us how to live. This is what he says. In John 13, he goes, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And so look what he says there. He goes, don't love the person that you get along with. Don't love the person that looks like you. He says, love one another. He gives us that. And then here is the tester. He gives us us the test, and here's where we find our grade. He says this in verse 35. By this, your love, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so that's what we need to use as our directional compass as we're walking through our lives, as we're experiencing this hate that may be directed at us, that may be directed away from us, because here's the truth. If you continue to do what Jesus calls you to do, there will be a lot of people that come to hate you. Because you are going to share with them truth that they may not understand or they may not be able to stomach. But Jesus says when they hate you, when we see hate in the world, our response is to love. 
And he doesn't say love the people you get along with, love the people that look like you, love everyone. And so here's my thing. How, as the Christian community, are we going to respond to these types of things? Jesus tells us right there. He tells us that they will know, everyone, the people who have hate, the people who hate specific groups of people, the people who hate students, the people who hate Christians, regardless, they can hate you, but if you are my disciple, they will know you are by the way that you respond. And our response is in love. And so surrounding these events that have taken place as we move forward into our lives, that is our response. To love people, hate sin, but to love people. And when you engage, no matter who you interact with, whether it's somebody that you pass in your school every day and don't have a relationship with, whether it's your best friend, your parents, your aunt and uncle, your teachers, your coaches, your siblings, whoever it is, they should say, I may not like that person, but I know that they have a love for me. So that's my encouragement coming off of what's what's happened these past weeks. And let's be honest, the things that will continue to happen over and over and over until Jesus returns to wipe it out. And so let's respond in love, okay? Hey, let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for for who you are. I thank you that you came to earth to show us and to teach us how to live our lives. And so God, it's my prayer for, for the hearts of all of these people, for those afflicted and for those who are doling out the affliction, Father, that your spirit would convict them, that your spirit would show them the love that we can experience only in you, And it's my prayer, Father, that they would see that because we are living our lives the way that you've called us to do. We are being true disciples of you, and we are loving others in the midst of hate, in the midst of affliction, in the midst of being called out constantly. It's my prayer, Father, that we would respond in love. Father, be with us this morning. I pray that we would learn from your word, that we would experience you um, as we experience your word. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So, Here's what I want you guys to do. Flip, if you brought a Bible or if you have a a device, go ahead and flip to Galatians. This is Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 today. And I think what it's going to do, it's going to give us a roadmap of what our lives should look like in our relationships with one another. And it may take us a little bit of of, of diving in, but as we look at Galatians chapter 6, I believe that God is going to show us, has already shown us, what we are called to do in our relationships with one another. And so as you flip there, once again, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. It says, bear one another's burdens. It says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is doing something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. Let, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption." But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in a due season we will reap if we do not go up, give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. 
especially to those who are in the household of faith. And so as I'm reading this, it reminds me of one of my, one of my good buddies. His name's Mike. Um, and I've known Mike for probably um, five, or, five or six years. And Mike, uh, I, I, I got to meet him um, in my old job uh, in the last church that I was in. His wife was the children's ministry director. And so Mike and Natalie were good friends of, of Emily and, and, and mine. And so we, uh, we continued to grow in relationship. And one summer, two years ago, maybe three years ago, we had the opportunity, um, some friends of ours said, hey, we have a lake house in, in, uh, in New York, and we would love for you guys to go vacation there and just have some time to relax um, and to, to recharge. And so knowing that, that Mike and Natalie were super busy, Mike's a school teacher and a football coach um, and an AD, um, he's really busy, uh, and Natalie was a children's ministry director at our, uh, in, my, in my previous church. Um, <clears throat> they were busy, too, and so we said, hey, we love you guys. We would love for you to go on this vacation with us, and so we go, and we get there, and this lake is beautiful. It's a private little lake, um, kind of in the middle of nowhere, which was great. You know, there's sometimes where it's really good where you don't have cell service connection, and so uh, a lot of these days, Mike and I would take some time. We would go out on the lake on this boat, this paddle boat, and we would go fishing. And so that's one thing that, that's just really good for us. And so all week, we're, we're paddling out in this lake. And I don't know if you've ever paddled a boat, but it's not the easiest thing to do. They invented boat motors for a specific reason, and that's to get people from point A to point B faster and easier. And there was a motor on this boat, but it was missing the, the quintessential piece, and that is the battery that ran it. And so this, this motor is taunting us all week, saying, hey, if only you had the right equipment, you could use me. But we didn't. And so every, week, every day we'd paddle out. And, you know, naturally, for those of you who fish, you always go, well, there's no fish here. They must be way over there. And so you paddle over there. And this one day, it was one of the last days, Mike and I are out and we're in the boat. We're in the boat together. And all of a sudden, the storm kind of starts to come up. Not something like lightning and thunder and tornado weather, but really it's just this, this cloud cover, and it started to rain a little bit, but the wind really started to pick up. And we didn't know if that big storm was coming or not, and so we decided we would start paddling in. And here's the thing. When you paddle a boat on a lake that is completely glass flat, like no waves at all, it's hard work. But when this storm was rolling in, it seemed to us that the, the, the wind was blowing constantly in our face, and we were paddling into the wind. And so as we're paddling, as we're going in, it seems like every time that we move literally like two feet forward, the wind pushes us back 18 inches. And so like it's extra work, and it's really hard, and we're just paddling and going, and we're laughing the whole time because we're like, what have we gotten ourselves into? But then it, it stopped being funny because it was really hard. Like we're like, I don't know, like literally it got to the point where we go, maybe what we need to do is go to the shore and walk back. Like it was just beating us, but we're in the middle and we're just continuing the fight. There were many times where I'm like, you know what? This is not even worth it. I'm going to just stop paddling. I was in the back and Mike was facing forward. And so I'm like, I'm not going to do this. And so there was a time where I pulled my paddle out of the water. But Mike didn't see me behind, behind him not doing anything. And I look and he's just struggling. He's just paddling as hard as he can. He's like, man, Ryan, this is really hard. I go, I know it is. And I was convicted. And so I got my paddle in the water and I started paddling again. And over and over and over again, there were times where, where, where we were saying, like, literally a time where we go, God, please help us here. Like, you, are control you can control the weather. Please help us. Like, give us a backwind that'll push us forward. But we're struggling and we're paddling and paddling. And finally, we get in. 
and we pull the we pull the boat up and we both are absolutely exhausted. By this time, rain had kind of settled in. We're both standing there wet, and it was like, man, that was really, really difficult. But the thing that I realized is that that would have been so much different if it were just me in the boat. If I had said, hey, Mike, I'm taking the boat out today. I know you don't want to go fishing, so I'm going to go on my own. It would have been much different without Mike in the boat that day. Here's the other thing, too. If we would have had other friends who were with us, or Emily and Natalie, for whatever crazy reason, decided they wanted to go into the boat with us, if there would have been more people, it would have changed it completely. So my question for you guys today is, who do you have in your boat? As we look at our lives, what we need to realize is we need people, we need to be in the boat together. And who is in our boat really matters. And so as we look at this, as we begin to look at this, we look at Galatians, and one of the things that I want to I focus on there today is it says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And so essentially it's the decisions that we make will lead to consequences, positive or negative. And I want to look at that as we look at our relationships with one another. We need to be in the boat together. And so what I want to do, I want to, I want to, I want to look at the areas of our lives, at the, at the area of our relationships that we have one another. I want to look at the five things that we need to have in those most important relationships. Those five things that we must have as we do life together, as we are in the boat together, paddling on easy waters or difficult waters. There's five things that I think we can find um, in God's word. Five things specifically we'll look at. There are plenty others. But five things we will specifically look at today of finding out what we need when we're in the boat together. And so what I, what I want to focus on that Galatians is it says, what we sow, we will reap. And so today we're looking at the things that we need to sow into the lives of our friends, that we need to sow into the lives of those who are in the boat with us so that we can reap the things that we want to reap, so that we can harvest, that we can collect the kind of things that we want to collect. Because here's what I know. If I, if, if I go to the store this week and I buy a peach and I eat it and I take that peach pit and I bury it in the ground, I can never expect in good conscience that it will become an apple tree. Because what I sow, I will reap. And so as we look at our relationships with one another, let's, let, let's, let's see at those things that we need to sow so that we can reap them in our lives. And so the first thing that we have, as we look, as we look into God's word, and so we're going we're gonna to jump through a lot of different scriptures. If you want to follow along, you can, but you've got to have lightning fingers because we're, we're going to move today. So the first thing that we're going to look at is we need to have a serving heart. This, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Back of your Bible, towards the end, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And this is what 2.8 says. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. And so as we look at those relationships, what we see as, as, as Paul is writing to Thessalonica, what we see is Paul saying, we are affectionately desirous of you. We love you. As you look at those close relationships have, I believe that you would say, I have an incredible love for these people. And Paul shows his love to those people through his servant's heart. 
he says, he says this, being so, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. And so when we're looking at our relationships, when we're looking at our friendships, we have to understand that God and a relationship with Jesus is the greatest thing that we want for them. But sometimes to take them there, to grow in that relationship, we have to give ourselves in other ways. Paul talks about that here. He says, I wanted more than anything for you to have a relationship with Jesus. But in order so that you would get there, I took care of you in other ways. I gave of myself to you. As you look at those relationships, we need to serve one another. We need to serve together, outside, and we need to serve one another. And if you find yourself beginning to sow seeds that is, is a seed of service towards other, what you'll begin to realize down the road is that there are people who are impacted you and you begin to reap a harvest of being served so that you can go out and serve more. The second thing that we need to look at is prayer. And that's in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and 16. And this is what it says. The, the author of Hebrews is saying this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find, great, find grace to help in time of need. What the author of Hebrews is saying is here, we need to go to Jesus in prayer. We need to go confidently to Jesus knowing that he will hear our prayers. Here's the other thing too though. There are some times where we find ourselves weak, tired, and beat down. And we go, I know that I'm praying, but I need other people to pray with and for me. You may look and say, hey, I am praying and I see God working in so many ways. And you need to go to those friends that are closest to you. And you need to say, how can I pray for you right now? How can I pray for you? I see that life's tough. I know that that injury is really playing hard on you. I know that school is difficult this year. I know that the temptations of the school year and of the weekend and of a boyfriend and girlfriend are difficult. How can I pray for you? We need to be praying for one another. And we need to be praying and we need to depend that God is the one who is going to pull us through. We need to pray through that. We need to take it to God. As, as, as the author of Hebrews says, we need to take it to Jesus who has been on this earth, who has experienced the temptation that we experience. We need to take it to Jesus. Sometimes we need others to take it to Jesus with us, and then there's those times where we need to take it to Jesus for someone else. We need together, we need to gain uh, a lifestyle where we are praying with and for one another. The third thing, we're going to flip to Psalms. And in Psalm 19, it says this. Psalm 19, 7 through 11, it says this. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, 
making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than they, uh, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping with them, there is great reward. And as we see those things, what I what I didn't realize as I was studying this week, we see that in the first part of, of verse 7, in chapter 19 of Psalms, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. God's word is perfect. This is what we need to follow to experience what God wants from us. As we read down there, there's all of these benefits that the psalmist is writing that we gain when we connect in God's word. And so we need to do that together. We need to do that together. We must meet together to talk through God's word faithfully and expectantly. You know, sometimes in high school, I remember I could go, I I would go to God's word, and I'm like, well, I'm going to read it today, but I don't know if I'm going to get anything. So with that heart, oftentimes I would find myself not be expecting God to speak through his word. And generally when we're not expecting God to speak through his word, oftentimes we miss something. He's constantly speaking to us, but oftentimes we miss what he's saying. And so we need to meet together faithfully to to get into God's word here and in small group and maybe a Bible study that you're engaging with. We need to do that faithfully and knowing that, hey, when I go to read this, when I go to, to, to listen to that, to, to hear that teaching, I am expecting God to show me something today. We need to engage with one another because here's the thing. Our friend might go, man, I am so excited to hear what God has for us today. And you may have come in with an attitude of, I don't know that I'm going to do anything. My parents kind of pushed me in here. or I'm not really feeling it today. And when your friend says that, it can be that reminder. Yeah, God's going to move through his word. We need to do it faithfully, regularly. We need to regularly meet with one another. We do this every Sunday, and this is incredibly important. But in a large group setting, sometimes it's difficult to talk through the things that we need to talk through. And so we need to meet faithfully in a smaller group. Maybe you were connected to a small group, and you're looking forward to the start of that again. Maybe some of you are saying, I have not been a part of that, and maybe I need to be. Because we need to meet faithfully. And when we step in, when we open our Bible, when we, when we reach out to God in prayer, we need to be knowing and expecting God to move. The fourth thing, the fourth thing was we need to find confidence. We need to find confidence. There are times in our lives where we need confidence to continue in our day. And as we look at Romans chapter 8, there is a ton of stuff in there for us to be confident in who Jesus is and who he has called us to be. In, in, in verse in, in 8 1, it says, there is, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In 37 and through 39, it says this, 
Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sometimes we lack confidence in our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we lack the confidence that we need in our lives to continue to move forward. And when we find ourselves doing that alone, guys, I promise you, here's one thing. If you're doing life alone in your relationship with Jesus, doing life alone is deadly. We need others in our lives who are going to help us do these things. We need others who we can push. Because here's what I know. For those of you who are athletes or for those of you who are, who are gifted artistically, if you are part of a team at all, when you encourage a teammate, it encourages you and wants you. It, makes, it creates a desire inside of us to do more and to get better. Not that we're looking to constantly get better in our relationship with Jesus, but that we're trying to grow in that relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing. We lack confidence. But as we look into God's word, we see that, that, that Paul is writing this letter to the Romans, and he says, now in all these things, in everything that exists, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, angels or rulers, not things present, not things to come, not powers, not height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. So he says all of it. All those things that I just explained, which is everything, of all those things, he goes, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There can be times when we lack confidence. And we need a friend who's going to put their arm around us or drive their thumb into our back and make us uncomfortable and point us back to Jesus and say, no, this commitment that you made, this decision that you made to follow Jesus, this decision that we made to do life together, the, these, these, these interactions that we have together are to point us in the direction of Jesus. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love that Jesus has for us. Sometimes we need to hear that. I think when, what, you know, in a moment like this, some of us might not be dealing with a lot. We can say, yeah, I believe that. I know that that's true. But we all know that there's times in our lives where something happens, where something comes along and it shakes that confidence. And we need somebody to speak truth into our life. Truth that we may already know. And the last thing, it connects to all of these it connects. All of these are working in, in, together. They are not independent things. They work together. And the last one is, is we need to experience accountability. We need to experience accountability with one another. And this, and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It says this. Once again, it's Paul talking. He says, Take care, brothers, lest, any, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But extort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here's what that tells me. We need accountability. We have friends in our lives that we see them doing things and living a lifestyle that is not what Jesus has called us to do. How do you respond to them? If you, the, the truth is we may have friends, we may have people in this room 
that we see them walk in and you go, I saw their Snapchat story from last night and it doesn't equal up. But I know that they've made a decision to follow Jesus and so there's this internal battle of what do I do with that? We need to hold one another accountable. Paul, or, or, I'm sorry, the author of Hebrews is speaking here to say we need to call that out. We don't want people to fall away. We want to be brought together under the love of Jesus. And so there's sometimes where we need accountability. We need people who are going to point us in the direction of Jesus. We need sometimes people that are going to pick us up, manhandle us, and put us on the path that we need to be in. I know that there's adults in this room that deeply care about each and every one of you who are willing to do that. I know that because they said, over the next year, I am going to lead small groups. I am going to take time away from my schedule, from the things that I love to do, from the, from the, 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 the comforts of my home. Maybe they're saying, I am going to take the time that I would relax and I would recover, and I am going to pour it into these students in here. We have adults in this room who care so deeply about you that they take time away from their families, from their rest, from their work, so that they can engage and encounter you to point you in the direction of who Jesus is. And the reason that they do that is because they experienced it from someone else, someone who helped them stay accountable. And even if we eliminated the adults from the room, the responsibility would still fall on our shoulders. There are friends in here that you have. That you, I sit by them every Sunday. Every Sunday I sit by them and I love them. They're one of my best friends. But I know that the life that they're living is leading them down a path to destruction. What the author of Hebrews, what God is telling us through his word is we need to be the friend, not that they want, but the friend that they need that's going to point them in the direction of truth and say, hey, come here. What are you doing next week? We need to grab coffee. To sit them down and to say, I love you, but the choices that you're making are not good choices. I know that deep inside you have a passion for Jesus, but you're not showing it in the way that you're living. And then there's some of us in here that are going, dear God, please put someone in my life like that because I can't do it on my own. I'm caught up in this mess and I need friends. I need true, real friends. I need people. I need mentors. I need small group leaders who I can be honest with, that I can build a relationship. I need people in my life who I can grow in relationship with who are going to point me in the direction of Jesus and say, you can't live this way anymore. You can't continue to be doing those things. That boyfriend or that girlfriend that you have, you need to break up with them, not tomorrow, but right now. Call them on the phone and say, this is not working out. This is not putting me in the direction that I want to go to. Those people that you hang out with on the weekends, you cannot be hanging out with them. Because what they do is you go in there with the intentions of one thing, but what you find is the next thing you know, you have a beer or you have a shot in your hand, it's going down your throat. And the next thing you know, it's another one after another one. And the decisions continue to get worse and worse as the night goes on. And you call me on Saturday morning and say, I can't believe I did it again. I need somebody like that in my life who's then going to say, okay, I'm coming over. And then on Friday nights, on Saturday nights, we're going to hang out. I'm going to come over to your house. You need an adult in your life who's going to say, hey, hey, honey, hey, bud, I love you. I need you 
to know that I love you and you cannot continue to live this way. Every Friday night, I'm going to call you, I'm going to text you at 10 o'clock to see what you're doing and I need you to be honest with me. Know that I love you and that's why I'm asking. We need accountability in our lives. As these five things, when we, when we have a servant's heart, when we pray together, when we got in, get into God's word together, when we keep one another accountable and we help one another stay confident, when we do these things, we see that our life is better. Doing life alone is deadly. Satan wants nothing more than to see you standing there on an island all by yourself just saying, I got this one on my own. Who is in the boat with you today? Who do you want to be in the boat with you next week, next month, and a year from now? Begin to sow these seeds. Begin to sow these seeds in the lives of your friends. Begin to sow these seeds in the lives of your siblings and watch the harvest that is coming. But here's the thing. If I plant that peach pit in the ground, I can't expect anything to grow tomorrow. It takes time. But what I need to do is I need to keep going and I need to take care of that, but I need to continue to plant other seeds. And at some point, you're going to see a small sprout begin to break through the soil and say, yep, it's growing. It's in with your relationships, in those relationships with you that you have with your small group, with your friends, that you have with your mentors and your leaders. You're going to see something break through the soil. And it might not happen, it might not happen in the next four years if you're a freshman. It might not happen for the next 10 years. But at some point, you're going to walk back to where that seed was, and you're going to see a beautiful plant that is bearing fruit, the kind of fruit that you need in your life. The cool thing about this is the plants that we desire, the things that we desire, takes time. Weeds grow quickly. So if you are planting seeds of sinful nature, if you're planting seeds of destruction, if you're planting those kinds of seeds, you will begin to see a harvest much quicker, but it won't be the kind of harvest that you want. We sow seeds and we will reap what those, what those seeds produce. Do not be deceived God will not be mocked if we're living a lifestyle that is negative. If we're sowing those seeds, we will reap those seeds. And so what we see as Paul writes to the, to the Galatians, he says, don't sow seeds of the flesh. He says, sow seeds of the spirit. And these are seeds of the spirit, having a serving heart getting together and praying for and with one another, getting into God's word, learning it and using it and knowing that I am going to take something away from God's word that he has planned for me. We need to be confident. We need to show confidence to one another. And we need accountability. I know this works. And I know this works not because I've experienced it in my life. That's one of the reasons. But I know this works because that is the life that Jesus lived. And that's what we get to experience today because of the seeds that Jesus planted over 2,000 years ago. There is fruit and fruit abundant in the things that we truly want. We can see it in our friends. We can see it in the lifestyles of them. There are people that we go, man... They've got it. 
There are adults in this room that you go, man, when I am, when I am 25, 30, 35 and beyond, I want to be just like them. I want to be a mom like Helen Alfin. I want to lead my children to understand who Jesus is. I want a mom like Jamie Fuller who just has a heart that pours out on people. I want a heart like Amy Capita that I can lead my kids. I want a heart like my small group leader has. I want to be a man when I, this is Ryan Shumway, I want to be a dad like Chris Messner. I want to sow seeds so that I can reap benefits from what God wants for me. I want to reap benefits for my children. I want to reap benefits for my students. And so these are the things that we must commit to doing. But we can't do it alone. I've heard it said, be the friend you want to have. Be the kind of friend that you want to have. We see five things that we can do right here to grow in those relationships with one another. To hold one another accountable, to point them to Jesus, and to know that when my life gets tough, I'm going to have people who are going to point me there as well. It's a plan that Jesus laid out for us. It is the only plan that we need in our lives. So my question is, who do you have in the boat with you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, how it constantly convicts us, how it constantly points us in truth. So it's my prayer, Father, that, that, that we continue to learn from you. I pray that we would look around in the boat as whether we're in a storm or on flat waters and we can say there are people in the boat who are ready, who I want here, who are going to take me. We're rowing together to Jesus. So God, I just pray that you would just continue to put people in our lives who are going to point us in the direction of you. I pray, Father, that you would put us in people's lives who need you. God, I thank you for these people in this room. I thank you for all the small group leaders, named, unnamed. They all deeply care about you, and that's why they're here. God, we thank you for these moments. We thank you for who you are. God, it is my prayer that this is not something that we forget in 15, 25, 35 minutes, but something that convicts our heart, mine most of all, throughout this season of life that we're entering into, that we would surround ourselves with the right kind of people, that you would give us opportunities to connect and engage with them. And I pray, Father, that we would make the commitment to do that, knowing that it is more important than anything else. God, we thank you. We thank you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.